Perhaps more than any other sport, the NBA commentators have been as much part of the game as the players. Don't believe me? Listen to this. for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied! After listening to that, doesn't it make you want to watch those plays? The NBA has had a feature of being associated with some of the industry's best play-by-play voices. The best ones, in my opinion, heighten our emotions, educate us with more insight, notice things that we can't even see, and sometimes convert us into fans of the opposing team. Even in video games like NBA 2K, the commentary is, is as important as the video game itself in educating you with things you never even thought of. Even on TV, I sometimes think Charles Barkley is more important to the game as an analyst than he was a player. I mean, look at Marv Albert. I mean, what kid didn't grow up shooting hoops in driveway trying to yell out, yes, and it counts? Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're on the national stage, sometimes they're local and are comfort heroes. Sometimes we hate them, and sometimes we love them. One thing is for certain, though. They represent the spirit of the team you're watching. So for our guests today, if you watch the local broadcast of the Warriors and the Timberwolves, then you know who Jim Barnett and Jim Peterson are. That's who we have on the show today. Enjoy. I'm Justin Keonan. I'm Ray LeBeau. And welcome to the Basketball Intelligence Podcast. Bro, what are you talking about, man? They made up a term called analytic. Take that for data. Welcome to Basketball Intelligence Podcast number seven. Today we're very honored to have as our guests two of the most outstanding NBA analysts on TV. Uh, Jim Peterson, who does the Timberwolves games, and Jim Barnett, who does the Warriors games. Both have incredibly distinguished basketball histories and backgrounds. Unfortunately, time limitation keeps us from giving it to you in great detail, Uh, They were both high school stars, college stars, and had very successful professional careers. Um, Since they retired from uh, playing, they've been very active in many different ways, um, coaching, announcing, etc. And uh, this is a real treat for those of you who don't have League Pass yet. After you hear them talk, you're going to want to sign up for it so you can hear them do the analysis of the Timberwolves and of the Warriors. And this is just an addition to uh, the last podcast we did with Marcus Johnson, who uh, is the analyst for the Bucks game, three of the very, very best. I'd like to get started. And, oh, by the way, since we have two Jims today, uh, we're going to call Jim Peterson Pete, and we're going to call Jim Barnett JB. And we'll distinguish that way so we minimize the confusion. Um, let's start with uh, Pete uh, Ask about assessing the upcoming season while well, the season has started we still refer to it as mostly upcoming um what uh strikes you about this season particularly with emphasis on so much player movement during the off season but of course any uh, any other aspect that you'd like to get into are you talking about generally ray just yes, generally generally the league as a whole well um you know we we've got eight new players on our team and uh, that's tied for 10th amongst uh, teams in terms of player movement. So um, there are teams that have had you know, more significant movement than that. So um, you're correct when you say that there's been prolific player movement and not just ordinary players. We're talking about great players. And so um, obviously last year when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, that was a you know, tectonic shift because of, you know, 
what it meant for Golden State's legacy in the Western Conference and, and being dominant. And, um, you know, the same is true with, with Cleveland and what they were able to do, how they were able to reload and uh, bring in a Dwayne Wade and a, you know, Derrick Rose and, um, you know, make up for the loss of Kyrie Irving uh, by bringing in and reloading with a lot of talent. So, um, you know, Jim has been around uh, longer than I. In fact, Ray, you know, when I played for the Golden State Warriors, Jim, Jim Barnett was the analyst for the Warriors when I played there. That's how long he's been with the Golden State Warriors doing a great job. So, um, but and, and as Jim knows, you know, the the best team usually wins. And, you know, in the NBA, it's it's probably, you know, the most unique professional sport because you can kind of predict which teams are going to be in the finals and, and, and relatively with high probability pick who's going to be in the finals and who's going to win. Um, it's, you know, it's different in the NFL. It's different in major league baseball. It's different in the NHL, um, you know, where it's more kind of up in the air and a hot goalie or a hot pitching staff can, can get you to the world series or the NHL finals. And in the NFL, you know, obviously the Patriots have been dominant, but I mean, the way it sits right now and Jeff Van Gundy, I think said it best. He goes, you know, wake, wake me up when the golden States roster changes and then I'll, then I'll have it, you know, something to say about the NBA. Cause you know, as it stands right now, golden state looks like they're going to be very dominant for a long time. So, um, and that, that being said, you know, I think that the Timberwolves, um, you know, they made a really, uh, you know, great move in and of themselves by getting perennial all-star like Jimmy Butler, one of the best two-way players in the NBA and, I'm excited for the Timberwolves' uh, future here this season. Let's turn to JB. Uh, what are your observations on uh, what's likely to occur this season, and what are you looking forward to, and what do you what impact do you think um, all that player movement, particularly at among the superstars, um, is going to have on the league? Well, I think that uh, Golden State set a precedent last year, and, and people are trying to scramble in order to compete. Uh, if not for a championship, to vastly improve their teams and give themselves a chance because Jim is exactly right. It, it is very different than uh, football. It's very different than baseball. I'm always amazed that a team in baseball can win the World Series and then the next year you know, play 500 baseball through 162 games. But it isn't that way in the NBA uh, unless an injury occurs, uh, which you know, we saw on opening night when Gordon Hayward went down for Boston, and that's going to hurt them considerably a lot of people knew that they with cleveland they'd be the top two teams in the east and uh it probably leaves cleveland alone right now as the number one seed in the east and uh with with as long as they have lebron james they've added pieces to it i guess Derek rose he, he's a new man again um but in in the west where i'm really concerned uh the warriors in the last three years they've won more games than any team in nba history and the challenge for them is to wade through the 82 games and get to the playoffs and, and try not to pick up bad habits, try to stay healthy, as they did last year. They didn't try to set any records. They were 67-15 after going 73-9 and the year before. The addition of Kevin Durant gives them a luxury. When you've got three scorers like that, it's difficult to double-team. In, in years past, they would uh, teams would double-team Stephen Curry. And they could get away with it, and and once in a while become you know effective that way, and it made it a lot more difficult on Steph. But now you spread the ball around, and Clay Thompson isn't a household name if you want, uh, but I'm telling you, he he's, he might be the best shooter on the team even more than Curry. Uh, at, at times, it, it amazes me how how good he is, 
and and how accurate he is and how much better uh, he's getting because all those guys work really hard. But San Antonio always comes in there, and, and uh, I, I think they're going to slip a little bit this year. Obviously, OKC, when they add Carmelo Anthony and Paul George along with Russell Westbrook, it's very intriguing. Um, I don't know how they're going to play together because I still think the Warriors' system enhances everyone out on the on the court. The, the you know I think seventy percent of their field goals last year were assisted. You know they averaged over thirty assists a night. So I'm speaking I, I know more about the Golden State Warriors than any other team, but I'm talking about them because I think they I don't think anybody can beat them in the long run. I don't think anyone can beat them in a seven game series. Um, through the I, I will say this. They may only win 60 games this year because Steve Kerr is going to rest his players and not give them a lot of minutes all the time. I know with the new rules, you can't all of a sudden rest four of your starters, and that's not going to happen. But he's not afraid to lose a game now and then um, to get experience for other players. But they, they retained 12 of their roster players from last year, which is remarkable. I thought they would lose more than that. I was surprised that they got back you know, their centers and, and Pachulia, David West, and uh, JaVale McGee. Um, they, they, they got a great draft pick um, via Chicago, and I can't believe Chicago gives somebody up for money, but that's what they did with Jordan Bell, and this kid's going to play. He's going to earn minutes. But um, when you've got you know, three of the greatest shooters in the game on your team, it's, uh, you've got a head start. Houston is very intriguing. They beat the Warriors opening night. Uh, they play small. Uh, they spread the floor out. They take a lot of threes. They averaged 43-point field goal attempts per game last year. They're going to keep that up. Um, so they've, they've got to be reckoned with. But then when you go down the line, everybody else, uh, you know, they're all fighting for, you know, maybe home court advantage in the first round, trying to get third or fourth, uh, a lot of those teams. But um, Golden State, you know, they're the ones that people are chasing, and they will get the A game. They're going to get the Super Bowl game from everybody every night. And they just have to learn how to manage those situations and bide their time um, through the 82-game schedule because if they could fast forward right now to uh, late March, they certainly would do so. Pete, if we can switch over to you. Um, it seemed that criticism last year for the Wolves seemed to fall into two areas, one, uh, defensively, and two, uh, inability to hold on to leads. Um, what do you? What, what's your expectation this year in terms of those areas? Did you feel those were valid criticisms last year? And what do you think um, will be the difference this year uh, to the extent of uh, fixing those problems? Well, you know, I think that a lot of what you're saying is um, a function of leadership. Um, and um, another one is... Um, a function of having veteran players that know how to play. So uh, 25 losses after league at any point in the first, fourth quarter was the most in the NBA. 20, just think about that. Like You go into the fourth quarter with a lead in the NBA, statistically it, it's not Mariano Rivera, but it's, it's pretty close. But 22.8 points per game in, off the bench last year, which was last in the NBA. Uh, 22 double-digit leads that were lost, which is fourth in the NBA. Um, you know, I mean, so, so that's a function of, I think of, um, you know, having guys that, that know how to play on both ends of the floor in crunch time, um, guys that know how to, um, 
be competitive and get stops and then guys that know how to execute end of game situation and be able to get tough baskets. And that's something that the Golden State Warriors have done at a high level on both ends. I mean, you're talking about one of the best defensive teams in the league in terms of offensive rate, defensive rating, offensive rating. When you have shooting like that, where you have, and you have the ability in pick and roll game or um, with the skill sets that they have with guys that can put the ball on the deck and get to the rim and collapse the defense to kick it out to a wide open shooter. I mean, if you give Clay Thompson an open jump shot, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's deadly. And the same thing is true with Kevin Durant and, and, and Steph Curry. So when you have shooting like that, there's just, there's no substitute. Just look at effective field goal percentage at the end of the season and look, look which teams lead uh, the league in effective field goal percentage, and it's pretty much per- precursor to the conference finals. Um, and San Antonio has been up there, and it's one of the things that they, they're one of the hallmarks. I think they are a team that can give Golden State a run for their money because they shoot the ball so well. Um, you know, we just played San Antonio for the first game of the, of the year uh, a couple nights ago, and, um, you know, without Kawhi Leonard, they're still a machine. Um, Greg Popovich just does such a great job of, 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 of schooling his, his athletes. It doesn't matter who is on the floor. And, and he probably does the best job of plugging in new guys, different guys, bench guys, starters. It doesn't matter. It's next man up, and they can execute. So, and, that's, and they did that against us the other night. So, um, you know, a Jimmy Butler and a Taj Gibson and a, and a Jeff Teague – um, those three players right there, you insert them into the starting line. You've got veteran leadership out there that can, um, that can, that have been there and then, and they actually have done it. Um, you know, in the case of, uh, of Jimmy and Taj, you know, they were with coach Thibodeau. And I think that's one of the things that, that Tibbs wanted to do this year was kind of, he kind of had a, let's get the band back together. Cause they were trying to get Derek Rose too. Uh, let's get the band back together and see if we can recreate in Minnesota, what we had in Chicago. So, um, you know, and Jim knows, and, and this is the, the probably um, one of the most important intangibles um, in sports, and that's chemistry. You can, you can bring in talented players. You can bring in guys that, that have been there and done that. But when you put them together with young talents like, like Carl Anthony Towns and, and uh, Gorgie Jang and, and Andrew Wiggins and the young player Shabazz Muhammad and our team and um, you know, will they fit together and will they have chemistry? Will they want to play for each other? And that's, and that's the thing that is, that is um, going to have to be, you know, determined. Is, and and that's, that's the job of the coaching staff is to try to build that chemistry because that's one thing that's hard to beat. If you've got a team that's, that's talented, that has incredibly uh, talented guys that, that know how to play, and then they like each other too, I think that's one of the been one of the big keys. That's you know Steve Kerr. Um, I think when, you know Mark Jackson did a good job of kind of transforming the Warriors from a offense only Don Nelson based sort of concept to a Mark Jackson. Let's be good on offense and defense. But I'm not sure that Mark Jackson was able to engender a, a chemistry uh, where a, a you know sort of um, franchise wide. That, that Steve Kerr's been able to do. What, what, what Steve Kerr's been able to do is sort of, uh, you know, and you could say, say the same thing about what Brad Stevens has done in Boston and what Pop has done for 20 years in San Antonio and what the good coach, coaches have always done. And that's um, engender sort of a, 
uh, a spirit within the franchise, not just the players themselves, but within the organization that is, that is tangible. And um, that's the goal for Tom Thibodeau and his staff and, and what they're doing now with Minnesota. Uh, we've got a new building we're unveiling tonight. It's not a brand-new building, but they refurbished uh, Target Center. It's beautiful. It's, um, I didn't think $150 million would put a dent in that building in terms of changing the dynamic within, um, um, within the arena, but they have done a beautiful job. It's an incredible uh, redo um, of the facility, um, new uniforms, new court, but it's got to translate on the floor, and, and that, that's, um, that, that's going to be the interesting thing is will they build the chemistry to be good? Yeah, I'd like to say that. something. Oh, yeah, sure, can I follow ahead. up on that real yeah, quickly? Absolutely. Uh, Jim is exactly right, and, um, and I didn't mention that, but I – I'm a firm believer that it starts at the top and, and your organization. I've seen it through the years. I didn't mention that. Yeah, you can have all this talent, but what's the culture and what's, uh, what's the culture like? And the chemistry is so important. Um, the Warriors ha- have built an incredible foundation here, and it starts with the owner, but then you go to the basketball side. Bob Myers, uh, two-time executive of the year. Steve Kerr um, has seven rings now. He had five as a player. Um, they, they are exceptional men. They are exceptional and, and with integrity and the way they view things and the way they communicate. Steve Kerr is, I've, I used to say that he could be the governor of California. He can just, be, he just can bring people together. And I will say this now, I'm more convinced he might be the president of the United States because anything can happen as we know now. But, um, the culture of the Warriors is, is one, and, and they were fortunate. You know, and you look at their, um, their All-Stars, and you look at the, their roster, Steph Curry was a draft pick of the Warriors. Clay Thompson was a draft pick of the Warriors. Um, when, uh, Draymond Green was a second-round draft pick of the Warriors. So they built through the draft. They, they got fortunate to get Kevin Durant here. But that team chemistry is, is so good with this organization, and, and Steve – keeps that in an even keel all the time. I, I sometimes think about that, Jim, and I say, uh, is this group impervious to any kind of because downfall? Because I, I just know that chemistry, it's hard to describe. It's hard to know when you got it. And sometimes when it's left, I've been on a lot of teams, and you don't know where it went when all of a sudden you lost it. And some, I think the Warriors aren't going to ever fall into that. I think they're impervious to that because of their leadership um, from Myers and Steve Kerr. And then they're very blessed to have Stephen Curry be their leader because he's the most grounded basketball player uh, star that I've ever seen. Uh, and, and, Jim, and, and Jim, to, to dovetail on that point, I think one of the things is the, is your, is the luck of, um, of sort of um, the, the personalities of the stars that you have because like, you're right, Stephen Curry is a, is a selfless sort of superstar. Kevin Durant has mm-hmm. carried a team and he knows what it's like to – uh, be Cinderella, and and uh, he knows what it's like to be the stepsister. Um, he knows, you know, he knows what it's like to lose and have your your heart crushed in the finals and not you know not make it to the finals. And so he's kind of been um, he's really appreciating being in a winning situation. Um, but you know, you don't have a Kyrie Irving dynamic within the framework of of that team because Clay Thompson, who could feel slighted. I mean, I just saw something on uh, NBA.com that was talking about the big three, and it was a picture of Steph, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green. Right. And if, if you're talking about a, a rift that could happen, it, you know, if you're on the outside and you don't know these people, 
I mean, I, Michael Thompson's one of my best friends, Clay's father, and um, and I know Clay. And one of the things I know about Clay is that you know he he doesn't take those kinds of things personally. Clay Thompson, if he were a different guy, he could create a rift in that locker room. He could ask to be Absolutely. traded and change the dynamic. But but that's not the case. Much to the chagrin of the rest of the NBA, because. These guys are so aligned with each other, and Clay Thompson doesn't want to go someplace else and be the man on a bad team um, or a team that's not going to win. He wants to win. It speaks volumes of the character of the people on that team. Right, and he doesn't care about the money. He's already said that. He's got enough money. He's not worried about, uh, you know, like Kevin Durant, uh, really shortchanged himself about $9 million last year so they could sign other people. And, and Clay Thompson's already said he's willing to do that too. He's not concerned. Um, and it's, it's a great environment and they're just very fortunate to have it that way. Um, and it's, and that's, you know, and then we keep talking about how great their offense is. They were really one of the two best defensive teams in the league last year. They block shots. They defend the three better than anybody in the league. And so all that's important. I do want to say real quickly, Jim, I love I love your Minnesota uh, roster that Carl Anthony Towns is a, is a real talent. I know Wiggins is going to be better. It's great to get you and you, you, uh, said it exactly right with Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague. You got some leadership there. Uh, I think you have a very, very bright future, and I'm, I'm hoping that you guys can make the playoffs this year and, and and take some strides and get lucky in the draft again and and get some more people there because I think you're a team on the rise. Well, we haven't we haven't been in the playoffs since before the iPhone. So put that <laughs> you know put that into perspective. Pete, I'm sitting here in Sacramento. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's I think that's right. eleven years. You've you've had an eleven year drought in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. So we know um, what that's like. Yeah. So uh, JB, just following up a little bit. Um, you know the uh, the amazing thing to me about um, the Warriors, and you certainly emphasized this, is that it's top to bottom. It starts with the ownership. It goes to the uh, management through the coaching staff, not just Steve Kerr, but Ron Adams and the others on the coaching staff and the players. And, you know, it, you can compare San Antonio, as um, Pete has, where that same sort of structure is in place. Um, and I think it's no accident that the things that you've been talking about in terms of the players and their attitude and their chemistry and their willingness to do things, you know, is a function of a culture that starts at the top. Well, there's no question about it. And because when you've got leadership and leaders hire great people, um, I, I've seen coaches where they don't want to hire someone that might take their job. Uh, they're a little insecure about that. And so they'll, they'll hire people they don't think can rise above them, which is the exact opposite. Leaders hire great people so, and they empower those people. So when Steve Kerr um, two years ago could not open the season, and he let um, Luke Walton take the helm, a young Luke Walton, and he went 39-4. and four. They won their first 24 games of the season. They were 24-0 and 0 with Luke Walton as the head coach. Now, Steve Kerr got credit for those uh, coaching wins, but it was Luke Walton there, and you know Steve was in the background and, and maybe talking on the phone, but he wasn't out there on the court. And then last year in the playoffs, Mike Brown took over because Steve had another uh, you know, bad episode – and Mike Brown, I think, took him to 10 or 11 straight wins, and he was undefeated in the playoffs on the, on the 16 and one run that the Warriors did to win the championship. So that's leadership, yeah, it's because you empower people beneath you, and it's uh, 
it, it, it does start at the top and it just filters all the way through and it's, it gets contagious and it's something beautifully beautiful to watch. Um, I, I've seen it in, in so many different ways. Uh, I've gone through four ownerships with the Golden State Warriors since I've been doing uh, color commentary with this team back in the mid-'80s. And I know that was one of the big criticisms of Mark Jackson was the relationship with the assistant coach is very, very different than the relationship that Steve Kerr has. Well, I'm not going to comment on that because uh, <laughs> I've gotten in trouble saying things before. But uh, I will say this, that Mark did the, the best that he could, and he, and he changed uh, the defensive culture here. He got them to the playoffs, an upset of Denver. Um, yes. he, he did a terrific job like that. And um, But the Warriors felt it was time to move on and, and take someone that could get them to another level, and so far it's worked out. Right. So um... – just a couple quick things. Uh, we all know how good the Warriors are and all the efforts that teams have uh, made to try to emulate what they do or even just to try to um, defeat them. And, um, Pete, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts um, on the best way that you might attack and or defend the Warriors if you were coaching a team that w- was playing them? Let's say a team comparable to the team that you're with now. Well, I mean, it's it's an arms race. And, and you know, um, I think the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets have gone about that arms race uh, in different ways. I think that, um, you know, the San Antonio Spurs were not a three-point shooting team. They were a good three-point shooting team. They were a high-percentage sh- three-point shooting team, but they didn't shoot a lot of threes. They were a very efficient two-point shooting team, um, and they defend very well. So um, they train their players to, to move and to cut and to play hard, and, um, and they've got players that you can play in a switching contest. I mean, getting a Rudy Gay, um, um, I think, you know, gives them a, a six-foot-nine multi-dimensional player who can play out on the perimeter. So I think that was a strategic move to be able to deal with a Kevin Durant. Now, Rudy Gay isn't the greatest defender in the world, as you saw in Sacramento, but I think that you put him in a concept where he has to defend. Um, you put, you put, sometimes when you put these, these players that have been sort of enigmas, and all of a sudden, you, and Pop's been famous for that, right? He's been famous for sticking guys that were enigmas into his system, and they, and they work out pretty good. You know, they, they become better players. Joffrey Laverne, I mean that's one. That's a you know talking about player movement and and in terms of names that you don't nobody really talks much about. Um, I, you know, preparing for our first game, I watched all five San Antonio preseason games, and Joffrey Laverne fits seamlessly uh, into their system because he's a he's a solid defender, very good pick and roll defender. He's rugged, sets great screens, but he's a great passer. Like and so you put Labarcus Aldridge, and Pau Gasol and jo- Joffrey Laverne. And they're hitting all these cutters, and they're setting great screens. And, and you know, Golden State's going to have a hard time guarding Paul Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I just saw it firsthand. Those two are, are a monster together. We saw it last year. And with Kawhi Leonard and, you know, you know, talking about a dynamic defender who, had he not gotten hurt in the playoffs last year, I mean, they were – I mean, that's, it's, I know it's kind of a maybe a little bit tired refrain, but uh, San Antonio was going to give Golden State all they wanted last year in the Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, I would have to constitute my team with, with, with really good defenders and good shooting. 
And that's what Houston's tried to do. They, you know, it's an arms race with them. You can't beat the Golden State Warriors, I think, unless you shoot the ball well from either a high percentage of two-point shots or three-point shots. Um, to the degree that I think is, a, you know, switching is just it's, – it's a, it, it's a must because if you start putting two-on-one, if you, if you have to guard Steph Curry with two people all the time trying to contain him and you're leaving the roller open with Draymond Green, you know, he's kind of the gold standard now um, – <clears throat> Because, you know, I, I call it um, pocket pass decision-making. And so instead of just having a big roll, you know, set of screen and roll to the rim like the JaVale McGee might do, um, you, you get Draymond Green on a short roll now into space, and now he's the, he's the new point guard. Because two guys are committed to one on Steph or Clay or Durant. You get a guy like that into space with the basketball, he's a tremendous decision-maker. And so to the degree that you can get that kind of dynamic on your team, because, you know, you, you've got to be able to have a, a ball handler that commands attention, and you've got to commit two to one. Um, and you've got to try to get as many of those situations as you can. Um, and if they want to switch, you've got to be able to make them pay for switching. So um, it, it's, it's a very difficult proposition. I would want, I would not want to have to help as much. I don't want to have to double team as much. So, um, you know, I, as depending upon Ray, which roster you're talking about, um, and who, who's on my team, you know, I would, I, w- I would want to try to, you know, and I, and Jim could probably speak to this cause he sees it more than I do in terms of what works and what doesn't work. But, um, I just think anytime you're committing two to one, you're going to be in trouble against the Warriors. Uh, the more, the more you can stay matched up five on five, um, is a better proposition, and you've got to be able to take away the three. And I think switching is the best way to do that. Um, I want to run people off the line and make them get inside the arc. And, um, you know, um, that, that's that, the, only, the only problem with that is now when you start getting guys driving to the rim and you collapse the defense, it's going to kick it out to another three-point shooter. So it, it's like I say, you know, you, it, it, all these coaches sit here and they try to devise a plan to beat the Golden State Warriors. And nobody's been successful because of for the reasons Jim just said. They've won more games in the last three years than anybody in the, in the history of the NBA. So, um, but I mean, it, it, like I say, it, it, there's, there's no one real way to do it. I think that offensively, the thing you have to be able to do is be efficient and you've got to be able to shoot and you've got to be able to score. Well, we know that, uh, each of you has game to get ready for tonight. So, um, we're going to thank and excuse you. Um, this has been extraordinarily fascinating and informative, uh, the first round of thanks that I want to give is thanks to both of you for your strong and loyal support for basketball intelligence. We really, really appreciate that. Well, you're, I, I'm not sure I do too much, and I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting ready to go phase off into the, uh, the, the next phase of my life, and, and, and guys like Jim Peterson, and I've listened to Jim many, many times too, and I think he's as good as anybody in the league. And I learned a lot from you, Jim, by the way. I, I don't talk to you too much, but – I like some of the things that you see because you, you, you see behind the scenes and how to play the game. And that's, I, I'm not very good at, you know, analysis is game analysis and knowing what to do. I know how to play the game and, and I can verbalize that, but uh, to uh, analyze a, a lot of things that you do, you go take it another level. And this, this league has changed. This league has changed since Jim has been in the league and certainly changed when I was a player back in the sixties and seventies. It's uh, I, I can't, some, some of the concepts that we had, uh, the three-point line has changed everything. The rules have changed everything, uh, and the, the way they officiate the games too. So, it's um, it, it's intriguing. 
I wish there were a little more parity there, and we didn't talk about the East. And I love what Philadelphia is doing. I think they can finally, after about six years of tanking and everything, have something. They, they got an exciting player in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So it's, it's uh, you know, it goes in cycles. Right now, the Warriors are on top, and all their stars are under 30 years of age. So they're very, very fortunate. And Ray, to to dovetail off Jim's point, I, you know, it's a, it's a mutual admiration society. Jim knows that I've known him for a long time. Um, and when we see each other, it's always it's always fun. Um, those those Warrior broadcasts are are as good as their team is. So uh, he and Fitz, Fitz do a great job. And Ray, um, you I told you when I saw you in Sacramento, Ray, your 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 the email that I get, I subscribe to the email. I've uh, I've tweeted out that people should subscribe to this uh, this email because I it's it's one of the things that I reference every day. I'm always clicking on your every articles, day. and uh, and you do a great job, Ray. So. You keep it up, Jim. We'll see you down the road, and um, I'm excited for this NBA season. So thanks so much to both of you, and we would love to have you back on when your schedules permit, and if, if we could do the two of you again um, as a pair. Oh, my God. We're so lucky to be able to have you, and we're very, very appreciative. I might know a lot more about uh, three months from now, as a matter of fact, after I see you. Okay, well, thank you, and uh, good luck tonight. Just a quick note. Music is from Els Michaels Affair and Caravan. Don't forget to check out our blog, Basketball Intelligence, at basketballintelligence.net. And when you're there, please subscribe to our newsletter. I'm Justin Keonan. I'm Ray LeBeau. This is Basketball Intelligence. Thanks so much for listening. 